Gospel of Mark. But I want to say a couple of things before we get very far in there. Uh, Mark chapter 10 is what I'm going to be start with. You know, people just get so wicked. They just get plain stupid. They're not going to get better. The Bible says wicked men shall wax worse and worse. Now we've got this artificial intelligence that they're promoting, and robots. Do you believe that they had a robot press conference? And they're interviewing robots. Now, I don't know anything about robots. I know they ain't human. I know they can't think on their own. The only thing they can do is what you program them to do, like a computer. Am I right there? Is that all a computer can do is what you put in it? Is that right? You computer experts. And I heard them ask one of the robots, are you all going to rebel against your creator? Speaking of whatever man or men or women or whatever that manufactured them. Does that remind you of anything? God is the only creator. No man created anything. They may take the raw materials and things that are already made and fashion them, but they're not the creators of anything. Do you see where they're de denying God? I do. Well... How foolish can you get? And they'll get more and more foolish. In Sodom and Gomorrah, when the angels came to see Lot, those wicked homosexuals outside of Lot's house, they were clamoring at that door trying to get those angels out, they wanted to rape them. And God blinded them. But it didn't make them stop. They weird themselves to try to find the door to get to them. They would not stop. Don't tell me people get better. Because they don't. They don't. Unless God does a work of grace, as Brother Brown in his lesson very aptly stated. We were talking in class about Sunday school class, Brother Tim's class, about forgiveness. I'm going to, before I get back to Mark, go to Luke 17 real quick. I keep hearing this. <clears throat> About forgiveness. Look at Luke 17. Verse. 3. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother. Trespass against thee. Rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. 
And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Do you know preachers and people take that and go hog wild and pig crazy with it? Remember what it said. If your brother offends you and he repents, forgive him. Plain and simple. But I see these courtroom scenes. And there's a man that raped and murdered these people's mother, sister, wife, whoever. And they found him guilty. And the judge is ready to sentence him. And they give the microphone to the husband of the woman that was raped and murdered. Or the mother. Or somebody in the family. And they say, I just want to tell you that I forgive you. And then, Judge, can, can I hug him? And everybody boo-hoo said, what a wonderful woman that is. Or what a wonderful man. Man, how wonderful that is. No, that is a travesty. The Bible doesn't say anything about doing that. It says, if somebody offends you, If somebody rapes and murders my wife, my mother, my daughter, they didn't do it to me. And the one they did it to is dead and cannot forgive them. And it's 100% between God and them as to whether God forgives them and I have no say over that and neither do anybody else or does anybody else it is not in my power nor yours to forgive somebody that murders another human being you don't have the power to do that Notice what it said. If it's an offense against you. Now, now you can do that. But even then, indiscriminate forgiveness is impossible. You can't do it. The only way that you can do it is, according to the word of God, is if the guilty party repents then you can forgive them but only you whom they've offended I get so sick of this and it's getting worse it's not getting better why is it getting worse because people have absolutely discarded the Bible it's very depressing to read the obituaries Not because somebody died. <laughs> it's a point done to man wants to die. Death is real. Death is an absolute reality. But here's what's kind of depressing. You have to read a lot of obituaries, and maybe you don't do that. I do that because I like to keep up with who's dying. And old as I am, I never really ask somebody how somebody's doing because they might have been dead 20 years, and I just forgot about it. And I don't want to do that. 
But I read the obituaries. I think, as pastor, I need to kind of keep up with that. But you have to read so many of them before you ever read anything about anybody dying and were a servant of the Lord. Two of them in the obituaries, I guess yesterday. David will know who they were. I'm not going to mention their names. Nice people. I've known them most of my life. Not real close, but known them, known of them and all that. Nice people. Nothing wrong with them. One of them had broad education. Went over Europe, had a scholarship in Europe. Some big wig at a private college, and you know, just, just a busy life. Had money and made money and married money and had everything going. But she died. She died. Took none of that with her. Here's what they said. When you see a hummingbird flying, remember me. When you pick up a book, remember me. I don't know what in the world a hummingbird flying could remind you of another human being. She didn't make that hummingbird fly. God did. And what does that mean? But not one word about the Lord. I know know what I'm talking about. I know the family. Then I had another one. I probably known a little bit longer than the other one. Uh, not intimately, but I mean, know about them, you know, know the families. Not one word about the Lord Jesus Christ. Not, not one word. So now if you want to remember her, go take you a drink of gin and tonic and remember her. Or go to your garden and remember her. I don't know what tonic is. I know what gin is. I remember my old daddy, when he was drinking, he'd go get him a can of grapefruit juice and a bottle of Gilby's gin. That's what he, and oh, I knew we was in for it then. Because he's going to get drunk on a skunk. And yeah. Anyway, I hate drinking bad. I hate it bad. Until, go take a gin and tonic and remember me. My gosh. And I said the the more wicked you get, the more stupid. I don't know whether that's good English or not. The more stupid you become. I don't know. Well, not bad-mouthing them particularly. But there's nothing spiritual there, folks. And according to my work, my Bible, like the rich man, he died, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment. That's the truth. People don't believe the Bible, but let me tell you, it is true. It's the only book that is true. Look at now, Mark the 10th chapter. I don't want to be depressing, but I mean, that's what's going on. Robots. Artificial intelligence. And you know what that all spells? You remember in the book of Revelation, you got the beast that comes up out of the sea, and then you got the false prophet. And then 
He makes a robot. And you bow down and worship him. There's a lot of bad things going on, folks. You know, Travis Air Force Base, it's just not long before you get into Sacramento in California. Big Air Force Base. Lots of important stuff going on there. I mean, just about everything that's vital to our national security is going on there. And you know that there's been millions of dollars spent buying land all around Travis Air Force Base. Some property group has bought it and nobody knows who they are. Now they're right next to they can get it all of our information. This thing ain't going to go on too much longer. You know that China owns how many billions of dollars worth of farmland in the United States of America. We no longer are our country. People and their greed, here come the Chinese and they want to buy my farm and we're going to give you Twice what it's worth. Give it here. And you got a president that has absolutely sold this country out. Remember those balloons that flew over? They flew directly over all of our strategic SAC commands. They've got all the information they need. So don't, don't look for it to go on too much longer. But I'm not worried about it because I know they can't kill me but once. And old as I am, I done skated through a lot, buddy. I done skated through a lot. I see them 20s and 30s dying. My, my, my. I done passed that many, many, many decades ago. And I'm still here. I'm on, I'm on barred time. Three score and ten, if by reason of strength, it's four score. I mean, in October, I'm going to be four score. <laughs> I don't know how it goes beyond that, anything beyond that. And I'm not crying. I'm not griping. I thank God he's let me live as long as I'm, I've li uh, lived and can still do what I'm doing. But I don't expect to keep on going because I know it ain't going to last forever. But anyway, I feel sorry for those that are young. But tell you what you better do. You better take your refuge in the Lord. That's what all, all I've got to say about that. Look at uh, Mark 10, chapter 10. Let's read verse 46. Well, look, don't, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Like that verse. And they came to Jericho, and as he went, as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man saying unto him. Be of good comfort. Rise he calleth thee. And he casting away his garment rose. And came to Jesus. And Jesus answered. And said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. I'm going to make a statement. I've made it before, but I'm going to do it again. Only 
the elect of God ever come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now there's a lot of preachers that would try to get on me for saying that. You're trying to discourage everybody. No, I'm not discouraging anybody. I'm just relaying the truth of God's word. Only the elect of God ever come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at Mark uh, Acts 13. Verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Now, you don't have to be really a mental heavyweight to have an idea of what that's saying. As many as were ordained means ordered to eternal life, believed. What was my, my statement? Only the elect of God ever come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> well, I don't see many people being saved. That doesn't change a thing. Now, while we're there, look at Romans. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Now, Hebrew writing does a lot of this. We do it in English, but not to the degree they do it in Hebrew. Set something in apposition. You make a statement, and you follow that up with a further explanation of that statement. And that's what's going on here. We know that all things work together for good. Now, a lot of people stop right there and try to make that applicable to everybody in any situation. But it's not. It doesn't apply to everybody. It doesn't apply in any situation. It only applies to them that love God. And that only applies to those who are the called. Called by whom? Called of God. Who? Brother Dave, you mentioned that this morning, didn't you? About effectual call? General call? Effectual call? The effectual call, that's one that works. That's one that God does. That's his calling. Yours is general. Mine is general. It doesn't work. It does what God said for us to do. We're supposed to do it, but it doesn't get them. It's the effectual call that works, and that's the call of God. So, who are the called? And then that's only according to his purpose. I believe it's Timothy where he says, according to his eternal purpose. Now, my statement, only the elect of God ever come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm, okay. Uh, verse 29. For whom he did foreknow. Amen. Now that doesn't mean he just knew about them. Amen. He knew them beforehand with the express purpose to bestow blessings upon them. He foreloved. He did foreknow. He loved them first. Now, we're in eternity. We don't have a time sequence. We do have an order, 
but not a time sequence. So, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Determined beforehand to be conformed to the image of his son. What does all that mean? Jesus is our perfect example. He perfectly obeyed the law and every jot and tittle. He's our perfect example. And God determined before the world ever was to have a people for his namesake who were in the image of his only begotten son. Isn't that good? Well, so that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus Christ is the head of his race of people. It has nothing to do with skin color, but it has everything to do with spirituality. Moreover, while we're on this, let's keep on going. That's what it's saying. Moreover, let's keep on going. Let's don't quit it right now. Let's keep on going. Moreover, who? Not what? Amen. He did predestinate. Did you know that there are Baptist school, so-called Baptist schools that will not let you use those words in the halls of those schools? And I say those schools are not worth a plug nickel. They're anti-biblical. They're not Christian. All those whom he did predestinate. Determined beforehand. Pro orizo in the Greek. But what it means is determined beforehand. Those whom he did predestinate. <laughs> how many did he predestinate? I don't know. But that's how many he called. <laughs> Them he also called. Now he justified some. How many did he justify? Well justify means that he declares you righteous. How many did he justify? Well, let's look this over now. Whom he called? <laughs> You mean they're the same number? Yeah, we don't have any different numbers here. Now, according to many of them, it just depends on all who lets them go. Let's them do it. No, no, no. He's in charge of this. And he, those whom he justified, them he also glorified. How many did he glorify? Just as many as he justified, and not one more. Because in order to be glorified, you've got to be justified. And in order to be justified, you've got to be called. And in order to be called, you've got to be predestinated. <coughs> oh, mercy. How about this? Isn't that good? Okay. Now, in view of that, what shall we then say? To these things. <laughs> Here we go. If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, there's a lot against you. There was a lot against Christ, but not successfully. If God's for us, if God determined some before the world ever was, and God has all power, and he does, who can be successfully against you? 
Well, now, there's been millions of faithful believers that have been persecuted and killed, not only by the Catholics, but by the Muslims and even by uh, Protestants, Episcopalians. Well, in Virginia, they put Baptists in jail for preaching the gospel. So there have been a lot of people against us, but never successfully. God's for us. Uh, he that spared not his own son, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, but delivered him up for us all. Who's us all? All of us that fit into that predestinated, Amen. into that called, into that justified, into that glorified. Now, I'm not glorified. You can look at me and tell that I am not glorified. Not anything but. But in the purpose of God, it's as good as if it's already done. That's how sure it is. Anyway, he spared not his only begotten son. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ before the world was. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Man can't justify me. God has justified me. So, well, you're not perfect. I know I'm not. I know I'm not going to heaven because I'm good. I'm not going to heaven because I'm good. I'm not going to heaven because I've done something or haven't done something. I'm going to heaven because of the sovereign grace of God Amen. and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all. You mean all these years hadn't done it? Hadn't done a thing. All hadn't done a thing towards my salvation. As a nine-year-old, just before I turned nine years old, God worked saving faith in my heart. And I began trusting the Lord Jesus Christ then. And I haven't progressed from that. That's all I had then. And that's all I got now. And when I lay on my deathbed, it'll still be all I've got. <coughs> anyway, my statement is only the elect of God ever come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And do you know, I mentioned Episcopalians. Break in here and mention this. I want you read it or not. I think Ken Ham's got a article on it and just re this is in recent news some big wig bishop of the Episcopalian church is now determined that even though Jesus gave us that model prayer and say when you pray pray in this manner our father which art in heaven He's saying that's so highly offensive to so many people and we're going to change that. I don't pay, I don't respect some man that wears a robe like a woman and all that idolatry and going to tell me how to worship God. I don't respect a president going to do that. A governor going to. Ain't no man going to tell me how to worship God. I follow the word of God. But now that whole Church of England thing with the king at the head of it. I don't know what they're going to be referring to. But whoever they're referring, they ain't referring to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.
all of the elect must be given saving faith or they will never have it. Quickly look at Ephesians. Verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith, not by faith, through faith, and that not of yourselves. Boy, they try to say that doesn't refer to the faith. Grace and faith are not of yourselves. That refers to that whole sentence. That not of yourselves. Now, if I was an Armenian like the rest of them are, I'd probably try to change that too. I probably would. I'd want to. I'd want to be known. I have faith because I I determined it myself. But I can't say that. I have saving faith. I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for the saving of my soul. But it wasn't natural with me. That saving faith that I've got came from the Lord. It is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. All of the elect must be given saving faith, or they will never have it. Amen. It's clearly saving faith is unique, and it is unnatural. How can someone be tied at a stake? being burned alive and he still he believes in the Lord Jesus Christ that's not natural faith that's a gift of God Amen. that's saving faith and that's why it lasts saving faith lasts it doesn't come in come and go now there's all kinds of other faith There's fleshly, natural faith. That's the kind the psychiatrist talks about. Well, they'll tell you now, when somebody loses their faith, they're in danger, real danger. They got to... But what they're talking about, what causes somebody that won't get out of the house? They have no faith that they can survive getting out of the house. Now we're we're sitting about eight eight to ten feet off a concrete floor. Now I'm pretty confident this floor is not going to cave in. But now when you lose that kind of faith, that's what they're talking about. That ain't saving faith, folks. Amen. Not near it. There's also historical faith now I realize that nowadays they've rim racked the statues of George Washington Thomas Jefferson all of the founding fathers I don't know whether they've got Ben Franklin yet or not but, but they're just Rim racking everything. But even they are not saying that those people didn't exist. They're saying they just didn't like what they were. Well, and I'm sure they wouldn't have liked what they were, what they are. <laughs> but if they had an opportunity to tell you, 
But anyway, historical faith is, I never did meet George Washington. I know some of you think I'm awful old. But I ain't hardly that old. Uh, But I know he existed. There's not a doubt in my mind that George Washington existed. I know that Jesus Christ existed. Now there are some idiots that try to say that it didn't. There's too much evidence, historical evidence, that Jesus Christ did exist on this earth. But even that's not saving faith. That's just historical head knowledge. And then there's demonic faith. Look at James, second chapter. James chapter 2, verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils, now that's demons. Anytime you see devil in the plural, it's demons. There's only one devil, but there are many demons. The demons also believe and tremble. Now there's there's demonic faith. That ain't saving faith, folks. The demons know they have that, that kind of faith, but they don't trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's demon faith. And that's what the Camelites talk about. They say, believe and repent. All they're talking about is demon faith. They're not talking about saving faith. They don't know what saving faith is. Then they repent. They want you to repent of that. Well, anyway, the demons believe in eternal hell. The demons believe in the power of God to condemn. The demons believe in the power of God to consign you to hell. Look back at Luke 8. Verse 31. Jesus, verse 30. Jesus asked, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. That's a gathering maniac, red while ago. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. The demons knew Jesus had the power. And there was there a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain, and they besought him that he would suffer, allow them to enter into them, and he allowed them. They're begging Jesus. They know he's got power. They know he's got power to condemn. Uh, well, I've got several others here. Mark, the first chapter. Mark 1, verse 24. There they are, a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee? Thou, Jesus of Nazareth, art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. That's demons. Well, they're smarter than a lot of people nowadays. They know who Jesus is. They know he's got the power uh, to condemn them, to consign them to hell. They might be more orthodox than a lot of professed Christians. But you notice, the demons never call Jesus Lord. Thou Holy One, the Son of God, they never call him Lord. They don't believe to the saving of them, themselves. 
And we got people right today that argue hard against the Lordship of Christ. They've even cut that out of some theology. Saying people can believe in Jesus as Savior, but they don't necessarily have to believe in Him as Lord. So they've cut that out. Demons haven't cut that out. Matthew 13. You know what it is. It's a parable of the sower. It sprouted up, but didn't last long. Some of that faith sprouts up, the sun scorches it, or dies out. That's not saving faith. As we look at saving faith and what it really is, we see it's given by Christ. We read Bartimaeus. Now the thing about Bartimaeus, they did everything in their power to stop him. But they couldn't stop him. The more they tried to stop him, the more he cried out. Thou Jesus of Nazareth. Well, what happened there? Well, I think we had this just a while ago in our devotion. My sheep hear my voice, and they know me. I know them, they know me. My sheep hear my voice. Christ commanded him to be brought forth, and there he said, Thy faith has saved thee. Well, that wasn't a surprise to Jesus. This faith called saving faith embraces Christ and all of his person, his work, and his offices. Now listen, they try to make an issue out of this. Well, we're, we don't believe six literal 24-hour day creation, but we still believe in the Lord. I don't believe that. You can't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and deny His very work, His very word. There's, there, there's nothing left. If you deny His that's the work of the Lord, creation. And that's the word of the Lord. And Jesus said from the beginning. And Jesus was there at the beginning. Somebody said, were you there? No, I wasn't. But Jesus was. The second person of the triune Godhead was. Jesus' person. He is the Christ. He's the God-man. His work. Not only is he the worker of redemption, did he redeem his people, did he save his people from their sins, he's the creator. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the same was, and all things that were made were made by him, there was not anything that was made that was not made by him. How can you deny his work? And accept him. That doesn't make sense. Not to me it doesn't. He's a prophet. There's his word. He's a great high priest. There's his work of redemption. And he's king of kings. And lord of lords. Now which part of that are you going to reject? You can't reject any of that. There, Bartimaeus, he overcame all of his obstacles getting to Christ. You had family. Well, my family doesn't, doesn't believe that, and I can't go along against them. Really? They're not going to go to heaven for you. And if you die and go to hell, you won't be with them. If they die and go to hell, they'll be in another place. You ain't having companions in hell. 
Yeah, you love your family. But when it comes to salvation, that's between you and the Lord, not your family. And tradition, religion, fear and embarrassment. Saving faith is enduring faith. In the parable of the sower, the good faith had to endure all of the things that the other faith did not. Look at Hebrews 11. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, that's faith, and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. If you're a child of God, you've got saving faith, and you likewise were seeking a country. And truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned, but now they desire a better country. That is, and heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Now, the kind of faith that endures the kind of faith that goes, suffers, endures, is saving faith. And where did that come from? Only the elect of God ever come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of the elect must be given saving faith or they will never have it. And that's what the evidence of it is, what we just read and keep this in mind. This faith is not caused by works. But this faith produces works. Saving faith works. Now, how do I know that I'm one of God's elect? Because I've done what God said his elect would do. I've repented and I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. I started to believe him and I ain't never quit believing. I've had lots of doubts about me, but never about him. Amen. Never about his work. He died to save his people from their sins. Let's all stand.